In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Never a dull moment around here. And I'm sure you all were very well able to hear the gospel and to be able to uh, uh, understand everything that was going on. So I very much encourage you to read through the, the gospel that's there in the, uh, the bulletin because it's a good one. And it's one that is extraordinarily challenging for us. Because the gospel that we just heard, you heard it, the gospel that we just heard was uh, from the uh, gospel of St. Matthew. And it's taken from uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And in fact, if I were to give you homework this week, I would say uh, to read the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount sometime uh, during this week. It's three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And if you read one chapter a day, uh, you'll get it done in three days. But it's a great thing to be able to read and to be able to put into your hearts. But it's extraordinarily challenging. And we get that from the, the, the section, those few verses that we just heard this morning, uh, because it really sums up so much of what we have to do. Seek first the kingdom of God is the last words of that gospel. Seek first the kingdom of God over and above anything else. Trust in God. Don't be anxious is, is in fact what the gospel itself says. It tells us we can't serve God and mammon. And it tells us to be careful about the things that we take in so that our bodies will be filled with light as opposed to being filled with darkness. And in the midst of all of that, it's that challenge. It can really make us feel a little bit afraid even to take on those big challenges and to be able to live the life that is given to us in the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the great things that I want to impress upon you is the fact that we are not alone. We are not alone in our struggle and we are not alone when we take up our cross to follow after Christ. Uh, And in fact, the, the teaching of the church is very, very clear that the saints of God, even though they have uh, lived their physical life upon this earth, uh, they, got, they are the, show the fulfillment of God's promise that all who believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that's why we put the icons up around the, the church and we sing and we ask the intercessions of the saints. And it's those intercessions of the saints that I want to emphasize this morning. Because we have a particular commemoration today. In fact, there are two great saints that we are celebrating. One of them is uh, Olga, princess of Kiev, who was the grandmother of St. Vladimir. And Vladimir gets all of the acclaim for the Christianization of Russia, but it was his grandmother who planted the seeds and who was herself a Christian long before Vladimir was even born. And so a lot of credit should go to her, and she knew about seeking first the kingdom of heaven over and above seeking after an earthly kingdom because she had an earthly kingdom at her fingertips, but she uh, focused more on the kingdom of heaven. But this morning, I want to focus on the other commemoration that we have, which is the great martyr Euphemia, the all-praised. Now, today is not Euphemia's major feast day. Her feast day uh, is particularly celebrated on September 16th, the day of her martyrdom. But today uh, has a special commemoration about an event that occurred in her life. An event that occurred in her life that uh, was commemorated by the church. Because Euphemia was born in the year 304. 
And you remember at that time that was prior to Christianity being a legalized religion in the empire. And uh, at that time in Chalcedon, where she was born, the, the uh, ruler, the governor of that area, following after the emperor Diocletian, who, if you remember, was a, an extraordinarily uh, major persecutor of the church. Those are probably coming to us, so don't, don't worry. <laughs> they will probably walk through here, but all is well. Uh, Euphemia uh, was, uh, her family was Christian even though most of the rest of the city was not. And um, when she was a teenager, when she was a very young person, um, they were forced to go to this pagan festival, but her family refused along with about 50 other people. And so they hid. And unfortunately, I guess it's hard to hide 50 people, they were found. And they all suffered martyrdom. And Euphemia in particular, because of her young age, Uh, was given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to uh, renounce Christ and to instead follow after the rest of what the world was doing. And her martyrdom kind of reads a little bit like the martyrdom of St. Catherine, where she was first put on a wheel uh, with spikes on it, but that that didn't work right, so she was uh, preserved and uh, she was put into fire, but she was preserved and she was finally put... Uh, against wild beasts, and she eventually met her martyrdom there. But the event that the church celebrates is that after her martyrdom, it wasn't long after her martyrdom, that uh, Christianity became a legal religion in the empire. And knowing the great story of this teenager, Euphemia, who stood up for, for Christ, they built a big church there. And it was there at the church that they built over her grave where the fathers of the Fourth Ecumenical Council met in 451, about 150 years after Euphemia was martyred. And there they were discussing and attempting to express the truth of the two natures of Christ, that he is fully God and that he is fully man in one person, two natures, not mixed, not intermingled, but two separate natures in one person. Well, the heretic at that time, Eutyches, said that he had one nature. And so after arguing a bunch, both sides agreed, we are going to ask Saint Euphemia. They knew about the intercessions of the saints, and so her relics were there, incorrupt, I believe. And so they took a a scroll with the writings of uh, Eutyches, And they took a scroll with the uh, definition of Chalcedon, uh, written by uh, Pope Leo of Rome, and they put those in her coffin, closed it up, set a guard, and they prayed. And eight days later, they opened up her coffin, and this is the event that we commemorate today, July 11th, opened up her coffin, and holding in her hand, close to her heart, was the definition of Chalcedon that we know today as the true Orthodox faith. And the one written by Eutyches was at her feet. So as if she were standing up, she would have been stomping on it, saying, this is heresy, this is heresy, and get rid of that. And so that was a helpful moment in the Fathers of the the Fourth Ecumenical Council, and we commemorate that today. Well, if that weren't enough to encourage you to ask for her intercessions and the intercessions of all the saints, fast forward another 1,500 years. Euphemia shows up again. St. Paisios the Athenite, who was recently canonized in the church, 
Uh, he died in the year 1994. He was a very well-known monastic, and so he had lots of people who would come to him, including hierarchs, with problems. And at one point, a group of hierarchs came to him and, and told him about a major issue that was going on in the church there in Greece. And St. Paisios had no idea what to tell them. He told them he would pray about it. And he knew exactly who to ask for uh, her intercession, St. Euphemia, that teenage martyr who helped the fathers of the Fourth Ecumenical Council. And now St. Paisius was calling upon her again because he knew about that event. And after asking for her intercessions, one day while he is celebrating third hour prayers, he hears a knock on his door. Who is it? Euphemia. And so St. Paisios was on Mount Athos. There are no women allowed on Mount Athos. Paisios' first thought was, oh no, someone has snuck onto the mountain. I don't know what she wants from me. I'm not going to answer the door. She knocks again. Who is it? Euphemia. And then he says, which one? <laughs> As if he might know who it is that were coming to him. And Euphemia says, the great martyr. <laughs> and so, of course, Paisios is stunned and he doesn't know what to say. He still ignores the door. She knocks again and this time she doesn't wait for his response. She walked into his cell. And so he wants to test the spirit and he says, okay, if you're Saint Euphemia, let's pray together. Let's make the sign of the cross. And he says, repeat after me. And he goes through these prayers and she repeats faithfully after him. They make prostrations before the icons and again make the sign of the cross. And St. Paisio says, okay, this is not a demonic apparition. You are really St. Euphemia, the great martyr who I've uh, called upon for help. And so they sit down and have a conversation. And St. Paisios, in the account that he gave uh, to one of his disciples, says uh, he doesn't know how much time passed because he was just so involved in the conversation. But what happened in that conversation is he knew the exact answer to give for that situation in the church. And he says about a couple of other things. And he leaves it there. And I'm very curious as to what those other things were that Euphemia helped him with. But from that time on, St. Paisios had a very, very strong connection with St. Euphemia. And in fact, when St. Paisios reposed, uh, the last day that he took communion was July 11th, 1994. The day that we commemorate uh, her particular intercessions helping the church. And he died the next day, July 12th, 1994. So that's what, 27 years ago now that St. Paisios reposed as of tomorrow. But those two stories are wonderful encounters of the saints. The saints with people not just from 1500, 1600 years ago, but with people from the 20th century who were alive at the same time that most of us in this room were alive. And so it is an astounding opportunity for us to know the power of the intercessions of the saints. Don't go through your life Wondering, how in the world can I live a Christian life and attempt to do it on your own? The Christian life is lived in community with the people that we uh, surround ourselves with here physically in the church, but also in the spiritual life by asking for the intercessions of the saints. They are there and ready to help. I know a number of you have your own stories of the prayers of the saints helping you and uh, 
uh, interceding for you and fi you finding an answer of, of something in your life, even finding something from St. Fanuri's. We have those sorts of stories, but grab hold of the intercessions of the saints. This Christian life, this world that we live in is difficult. We are all filled with anxiety, and we hear in the gospel this morning, don't be filled with anxiety, but seek the kingdom of God. Run to those who did it and who did it faithfully, who finished the course of their life, who finished the race, who fought the good fight. Seek their prayers and their help, and then thank them after you receive their help now, and thank them again when you see them in the kingdom of heaven. We might not be visited in our homes like St. Paisios, but those saints are there to intercede for us. Really run to those saints, and may they all pray for each and every one of us. Glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.